Chapter Fifteen of Entrapped by Alice Mangold Deal. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. There was a certain feverishness about the spurious gaiety of the parti carre, seemingly enjoying their dainty champagne luncheon under the tree ferns and pepper trees of the hotel garden. Miss Cartwright was secretly horror-stricken, aghast at the revelation whispered in her ear as she sat on the settee in the trente et quarante room by a man she had hitherto regarded as a mere honest-hearted simple-minded canadian officer captain grant feared that his courage was ebbing as the bad moment of zoe's enlightenment approached a subtle temptation to postpone it assailed him which it needed his strong sense of right and wrong to combat the vicomte de Brissis needed all his amour-propre to conceal his chagrin at being cruelly used by a fate which made him an exception to her rule of smiling upon the stakes of absolute novices perhaps zoe although inwardly perturbed and excited by her curious contradictory position in life was the least stormily emotional of the four suppressed excitement and entire lack of appetite were the rule with the patrons of the restaurant as well as demands for the finest brands of wine and liqueurs so the waiters whisked away barely tasted plat and brought others in a matter-of-course manner which assisted the outward calm of the little party which presently divided miss cartwright having come to the vicomte's rescue offering to sink her prejudices and to try his and her combined luck at the tables she waived his half-hearted refusal on account of his empty purse she was so anxious to leave grant and zoe tete-a-tete -tete, that she would have made any concessions almost to leave the captain free to pursue his elected campaign and insisted on lending him her dainty gold net porte-monnaie if it all goes so much the better she cried as they rose and strolled towards the casino it will mean that i am never to try again but it would seem absurd if i did not have one fling you will admit that vicomte captain grant take zoe about and be sure to escort her to the concert and give her some tea expect us when you see us seemingly at all events to the vicomte who suspected nothing of a tragic mystery underlying the stalwart canadian's interest in young madame hamilton as he called zoe miss cartwright was bitten by the gambling fever as she waved her hand to zoe and almost strode off the vicomte trotting eagerly by her side like a puppy by a big shaggy dog even zoe was puzzled i shall never understand any one she said with a hopeless little sigh as she agreed to take a turn on the terrace as her companion turned it and strolled along a narrow path leading to the terrace overlooking the sea no he said absently then he recalled his wandering thoughts he must lead up to all he had to say he told himself or he would crush this tender creature with his horrible facts you mean you cannot quite understand miss cartwright i can she is one of those happy persons who have lived honestly straightly because they have not been tempted to do anything else as a child she had anxious parents nurses doctors friends as a girl every one was at her feet for besides being an heiress she was kind good a real woman then he stopped short and drew a long breath such a one can live for the day and hour he meaningly added a boon denied to those who like myself are haunted by a past they were nearing the marble balustrade he left her and leaning his arms on the broad coping gazed out to sea zoe a little startled and greatly surprised by his sudden change of manner and speech went a little bashfully nearer until she stood by his side 
for some moments both stared at the deep blue tranquil waves in absolute silence he was the first to move and speak he glanced down at her lovely waxen profile you are not inquisitive like most of your sex he exclaimed somewhat taken aback by a fact which would add to the difficulty of his self-imposed task she glanced quickly up crimsoning i cannot afford to be she bitterly returned it is not that i am not interested for i am you said things to me which made me wonder she turned away her head he gave a sigh of intense relief at all events he had made some sort of impression upon her the preliminaries were less formidable in consequence you wondered why i said your interests would rank with me before my very own he asked leaning back against the balustrade and gazing steadfastly at her you can hardly comprehend unless i tell you the story of my life shall i oh please she pleaded her eyes kindling so she felt some sort of interest in him he told himself what a signal mercy i will not bore you with more than the main facts he began as soon as i was old enough to understand i knew that my mother had sprung from a lower class than my father who did not live with us but only stayed for a day or two now and then we lived near london mother and i she was a capricious woman but she did not deserve her fate my father distrusted and ill-used her ignored their two children then neglected and reproached her until she died literally of a broken heart zoe gave a sympathetic murmur he did not seem to hear it what became of my little sister i cannot tell at least i happen to know now but i did not then he went on but as far as i am concerned boy though i was i bitterly resented my father's conduct and i found out where he really lived and went to him giving scorn for scorn and when he dared to asperse my mother's character to me shaking the dust of his miserable house from my feet and leaving him forever i was a waif in the great heartless city first a beggar urchin then an errand boy then a cabin boy on a little trader his captain took a fancy to me because i was like his only son who had lately died he was my benefactor he found out i was educated as a gentleman's son and when we arrived in canada got me a place as a junior in the office of a merchant friend in montreal there i rose pretty rapidly and saved and speculated with such luck that before i was twenty i had a small fortune then i said good-bye to the counting-house and volunteered for the army passed my exams and after going through a good deal got my captaincy at that point i began to feel restless i wanted to know about my poor little sister i returned to england saw my father and was reconciled with him he is dead now perhaps you wonder what this story of mine has to do with what i said that i should ever consider your interests before my own zoe flushed then paled as he told his story there was a tone in his voice which seemed curiously familiar yet how could he and she be anything more than chance acquaintances drawn together by a common sympathy that sympathy at first sight between strangers who have not previously known of each other's existence which is one of the puzzles short-sighted humanity vainly tries to solve then he made up for his neglect he left you everything she asked more as something to say than because she cared to know one way or the other no he shortly returned that is another story altogether but i did not want to tell you my life story alone mrs hamilton it was merely the preface to my asking your advice on a matter which and i am not exaggerating is to me literally a matter of life and death will you give it me 
She stared at him, then recoiled a little. She had thought his strong features with the broad brow, close-shut mouth, massive chin, short, prominent nose and deep-set eyes, somewhat cold and expressionless. How she had been mistaken! At that moment there was such an intensity of passion in those eyes, about his somewhat drawn and quivering lips, that she felt almost a slight fear of him. Oh, she stammered. Then she gave a short, embarrassed laugh. My advice! Why, I know simply nothing of the world, living all my life with my godmother, the maiden lady who kept a school, and when her health broke down, and she sold it, staying as junior governess until her successor, who seemed to hate me, sent me away, and I took refuge with an old uncle, and got engaged to my husband, who was his adopted son. I know nothing of people, of society, of anything. I think I told you this before. So much the better, he gently returned, plucking some dying leaves from a climbing geranium which crept about the marble balustrade, and casting them upon the rocks below. Your sense of right and wrong has not been dimmed. Come, let us rest on that very Italian-looking bench, and let me tell you what it is I want your advice about. First crimson to the roots of her hair, as her conscience reproached her, then paling until she was white as the fragrant blossoms on a neighbouring orange tree, Zoe somewhat reluctantly accompanied him to a marble bench under a spreading pepper tree. Behind this a bank covered with aloes, cactus, and subtropical shrubs concealed them from possible eavesdroppers or onlookers. They too could scarcely have found a greater solitude. I hardly know how to put the case to you, he began thoughtfully, but let me begin by telling you that the girl concerned is a very dear young cousin of mine. Seize continents separated us in childhood and youth while i was working in canada she was in england we never met the first i heard of her after she was grown up was that she had married a man i had heard no good of in fact a curious chain of circumstances had brought to my knowledge a rumour that he had been thought to be the husband of a notoriously disreputable woman then i saw my cousin in this man and felt it my duty as her nearest male relative to pursue inquiries I found the rumour that the man was already married only too true. That poor, innocent young creature is living with a man who has a wife already. He may be ignorant of the fact that his first wife is still alive, or may have been until now. But what do you think? Ought I not to tell her the truth? Zoe, listening with all her ears, had felt a strange sense of chill, a vague disappointment as he spoke. More. She was slightly resentful that he had, as she felt, merely paid court to her because, as a young woman, she would be a fair judge of the feelings of this wonderful cousin of his. Captain Grant, she began a little impatiently, excuse me if I cannot feel much sympathy with you in this meddling with your cousin's matrimonial affairs. Suppose she loves this husband of hers. It may be such an awful blow to her to find it her duty to separate from him that it may be the death of her, or send her mad. And... It is not her fault. If she is ignorant of the case, she is doing no wrong. He gave her a scared, intent glance. Mm, no, he slowly said. Still, right is right, and wrong is wrong, is it not? And love is love, she cried, almost defiantly. Love justifies many things, Captain Grant, just as it is answerable for a good deal of everything which happens. Our feelings, thoughts, actions... But there can be a selfish mistaken love remember that i said i would speak the truth to you did i not i will 
i fancy you're in love yourself with this cousin of yours and that this not your conscience is urging you to separate her from her supposed husband how do you know whether she is not as well aware of the complication as you are yourself she may be he made no reply to her hotly spoken words he sat dumbly gazing out to sea then suddenly he rose and stood before her pale frowning i thank you for your candour mrs hamilton he stiffly said meanwhile your idea that an innocent girl would remain one hour with a man who had another wife alive who possibly tricked and cheated her into marrying him while fully aware of the fact i can't tell is a shock to me it is hard to believe a bitter pill to swallow you forget that a girl does not marry a man unless she thinks him wonderful unless she loves him perhaps adores him she somewhat scornfully returned as she rose and strolled at his side along the terrace and if your cousin does will she not remember that in the case you mention the first wife is a notoriously disreputable woman how would she be able to leave the man she loved to such a fate as that in such a case divorce seems the only rescue the husband could surely divorce an unworthy woman a man who wants a divorce has to go into court with clean hands he began then as if suddenly exasperated he added in stern almost contemptuous tones enough the discussion is closed forget this conversation mrs hamilton if you please will you come and hear the concert it must be beginning i think certainly she somewhat distantly replied coolly although her heart gave a sick miserable throb as he took out his watch and gazed gravely at it then she accompanied him along the pebbly path into the casino End of chapter 15